What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Millionaire Voices, episode number seven. Today, I have the honor of interviewing the co-founder of Genius, formerly known as Rap Genius, Mabod Magaham, who also is the founder of Everypedia and Ozone AI. Today, me and Mabod talk about how Genius came about, the most popular lyric site in the United States of America, where people go on the site to find lyrics to their favorite songs, how he built this algorithm with his friends from Yale, and talking about where he's at today and what he wants for Genius and his vision for the future of the company. Tune on in now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Millionaire Voices, episode number seven. And I have the honor to interview Mabod Mahagdam, the co-founder of Rap Genius, now formerly known as Genius, and also the co-founder of Ozone AI and Everipedia. Mabod, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. Thank you for having me, brother. It's an honor. Yes, and I've been studying upon you, and it's we definitely have a lot of similarities when it comes down to I can see our passion for music and it's really cool to, to be speaking to someone who's built something so big so today I, I really want to dig in with you to learn about how you created this uh, entrepreneurial journey in your life so people like myself and others can understand so why don't you tell us a little bit where you're from and, and we'll start the conversation from there I am a California boy. I was uh, born in Los Angeles, but then uh, everyone else in my family came from Iran. I had mm -hmm. three older siblings and my parents, they had all come from Iran. So I was like the one anchor baby. Uh, so they were all like, you're the only one who can be president. So then I'm just trying to, right now I'm just working on my campaign, hopefully in like <laughs> 12 years or something. Wow. So they, they looked at you as, as a leader early on in life, huh? Yeah, I've always wanted to. So, you know, w once I got canceled, I was like, oh, man, that means I can't be president. But then Trump becoming president, it gave me hope again. I'm like, see, like even weirdos can get elected. So, Well, I guess we'll definitely dig into that. So, you know, I really can understand what you mean by that, because I look at you as as inspiring in so many different ways. And, you know, so you grew up in California. Were you there until college? I was, yes. Then I got forced to come to the East Coast. I don't know, I kind of wanted to come to the East Coast. I was always like, that's all. And then after college, I lived in France for a year. So always I'm like, if you go further East, maybe I'm trying to get back to Iran. I've never lived in Iran though, but... Uh, I always feel like if you go further east, you get to cultures that are older and more established, but then uh, less creative. Like obviously California is where mm -hmm. internet and everything like that is coming from. So, Yeah, so you probably were surrounded by that growing up. Is that where your ambition came from? I was never that into tech. I, the funny thing is in law school, I didn't have a computer and everyone else did. And I would just like go use the computer at the law library. Mm. And I always just kind of thought the internet, I thought the internet was for like less intelligent people. That's how I felt in the early 2000s. Mm. Although I was really into Facebook. The one thing I got really into was Facebook because I liked that when I joined, it was only Ivy League schools. So I liked the exclusivity of Facebook. 
Yeah, I can tell you like that because you ended up going to one of those those schools, correct? Yeah, well, and then that's where I met the guys I built Genius with. Tom, mm. who's the CEO of Genius. I actually didn't know him in college, but then he knew me because he was kind of like a nerd, but he knows how to code. So like I met him, I, I knew the other guy, Ilan. He was the president of Genius who resigned. And he was roommates with Tom. So he was like, yeah, you guys need to kick it. So I hung out with him and I, I, I texted Alon. I'm like, hey, this guy, he's kind of lame. And Alon was like, Tom knows how to code, you idiot. <laughs> and he can make you a billionaire. So I was like, oh, shit, I should, I should be this guy's friend. So. Mm. Yeah, it, it shows you that you definitely need good partners that could help fill the, the gaps of the creativity and, and the plan. Is, is that kind of how things occurred? You know, you, you went to college in what year was it? I graduated 2004, and then the other guys I started the Genius with were 2006. So they're Mark Zuckerberg's age. Wow. So you were around that era when that type of technology and, and things were coming to the internet. It is, were you the one who kind of saw the, the, the gap when you guys approached the Rap Genius idea? Not at all. Actually, so I didn't even 100% get genius until we'd already been doing it for about a year. That's how slow I am. Uh, I explained a rap lyric to Tom and Tom was like, wow, you know, there should be a website like this. And then back then we all had blogs. That's kind of how Tom knew me is because I had a blog where I would write like jokes and poetry and stuff. Mm. So I kind of had a cult following. So I was like, yeah, let's do a blog. We should do a blog of like Yale kids explain rap lyrics. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it can be more than a blog. It could be more like a blog. And he was really into Stack Overflow. That's how he had learned how to code. He wasn't a computer science major or anything. So he basically decided I'm going to build Stack, Stack Overflow for rap lyrics. And that's the, that's the X for Y of genius. It was originally supposed to be Stack Overflow for Rappler. And that's so crazy. Can you explain that a little bit more, what Stack Overflow is or how that works? Or Stack Flow? Stack Overflow is like genius for coding. You go, you explain how to code something, you answer people's questions, and then you get points. Like mm -hmm. uh, Genius's points are called IQ. Stack Overflow's points are called Karma. And the funny thing is these points are not worth money. It's just like... Pac-Man, it's Pac-Man game. So it's like, mm -hmm. why not just make the points worth money, which is where crypto comes in. And like, these are two sites that should be on crypto and are not. Like, if I had to pick one site that needs a crypto competitor to, to take it over, I would pick Stack Overflow. Wow. So pretty much when they have the code, they're able to then mimic the lyrics that they're hearing. And create the what the lyric is saying, so you can put it onto the the internet to say to say what is being said on the audio. Yeah, it's a wiki. Uh, so now we've kind of pivoted, but that's so the first thing I didn't get is that it's going to be a wiki. I thought that it's only going to be like our group of like Yale educated friends. Mm. So I thought it was going to be more like you know now there are like the Instagram meme accounts, and they have like five or six different admins. Mm -hmm. So I thought Genius was just going to have admins and that's it. And then he told me, no, I'm going to make it so anyone can post stuff. Wow. And I was like, no, that's stupid. They're going to post things that aren't funny. It's not good. And then uh, in some ways it wasn't good. Like our wiki thing kind of failed. 
And that's why we pivoted. And then the thing we pivoted to was my idea. It was my idea to get rappers to explain it themselves and call them verified accounts. And the big argument I had with Tom, I wanted them to have a blue check mark. I'm like, we have to just give everyone a blue check mark. And he's like, no, Twitter already has a blue check mark. We can't copy them. Our check mark is going to be green. So like no one even knows this, but technically when you're verified on Genius, you get a green check mark. So like, why do you have to make the check mark green? <laughs> uh, that's these are like, you know, there's a lot that I, that's why I wish I knew how to code. Because like mm -hmm. a lot of things Tom just didn't get it right. Uh, but the one thing he did get right happened after I left, which is they started a YouTube channel called Verified. And there it's a first person interview and you have the trademark yellow backdrop. So now, basically, every single day, I have rappers hitting me on hitting me up on Instagram, and they're like, "Yo, you started genius. Let me do one of those yellow screen interviews." <laughs> that's like basically how you know you've made it as a rapper is if you do the yellow screen interview. So that's kind of like our version of the blue check mark. Wow, uh, you said a lot there, and 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 are those is this developing while you're in Yale? Because I know you ended up going to law school. No, we'd all graduated. I was, uh, so uh, I had just gotten back from France and I decided to just crash at Yale for a month and Alon let me stay in his dorm. So we bonded a lot and that's when I got onto Facebook. That's when I signed up for Facebook and Facebook was still Ivy Leagues only. So I started to get more into it. But then I went to law school. Like in law school, I didn't even have a computer. But then when I graduated from law school, I got a job in New York and Tom and Alon were living in New York. Tom was working for a hedge fund and Alon was working at Google. So that's where I started to be like, you know, this tech stuff. And they, they were always talking about building a company. Tom had already built, uh, I think three apps before he built genius mm. and every single one of these apps. I was like, Tom, can I be your general counsel? Like I was just trying to weasel my way in. Like he built an app called uh, Flift. That was his first app, which was basically like Venmo. It was a way to keep track of uh, debits and credits, like people owing you money with your Facebook friends. So he basically tried to build Venmo, but then he got bored of it and he built some other thing. And uh, he really wanted to get into Y Combinator. Y Combinator had just started. Mm -hmm. So he kept on building stuff to apply to Y Combinator. And then he applied to Y Combinator with Rap Genius. We got rejected. Uh, but that made us want it even more. And we started to get traction. We started to get, uh, because people searching for lyrics, such a huge market. That's, I just want to stop you real quick because I want to keep hearing this. But you said a key point that I, I want people to hear is that you were getting some rejection, it sounded like, but you guys believed in so much what you were doing that nothing was going to stop you, almost fueled you, that it's almost like you're proving something, but out of love of what you're doing, not out of showing you I could just do it. Is that kind of how you felt? This is a philosophical question. Like, how, how do you keep the inspiration? um if we were only doing so so when tom wanted to go to y combinator and become the next mark zuckerberg and stuff but he had a job he was the one who was working at a hedge fund mm. the only person who was working full-time on genius was me wow i didn't think i didn't even know what y combinator was 
I thought that this could be a really good coffee table book. Uh, something there was there was like a meme blog called Stuff White People Like, and they had just uh, made a book that was a New York Times bestseller. So I was like, we could do like the rap version of Stuff White People Like, and that took the pressure off for me. I kind of basically considered it like I'm doing an art project and it's just for fun. Uh, so yeah, when we got rejected, when we that. got rejected, we were like, how dare you? And then that's when we started to get traction too. We'd already been working on it for a year. It's not like it happened overnight. What year is that now? We launched it in August, 2009. And then we got rejected from Y Combinator the first time summer of 2010. Wow. And then when did you start to see the traction with with the success of the company right when we got rejected we had started getting people google searching lyrics mm -hmm. and we had none of us knew or maybe tom did but i certainly didn't know how big uh, of a search market lyrics is it's two percent of all google searches two percent of all google searches are people looking for lyrics and, and then two percent of a huge number hmm? that two percent is a gigantic number well, I don't know if you remember this, but before we took them down, there were all these really, really shitty lyric sites and they were all top 500 Alexa. Like AZ lyrics was top 100, Metro lyrics was top 200. And then there were like, those were the ones that were based in America. Then there were a bunch of them that were based in Europe that were just blatantly ripping off the artists. Like, lyrics mode direct lyrics three sing 365 and now all of those are gone mm. there was a hip-hop specific one called killerhiphop.com and that was actually a top 100 site on alexa because what people search for the most is rap lyrics but a lot of times az lyrics and metro lyrics wouldn't have the rap lyrics because they're so hard to figure out so like you would search like you know a uh, new kanye song like you know um uh, love, love lockdown lyrics and you would get to the AZ lyrics page and it would be a stub. It would say like, we don't have these lyrics right now, but if you would like to submit them, please email us. Mm. That's brilliant. So what role did you take in those years after you started launching that 2010 era? What was your day-to-day -day looking like? It changed. I mean, a lot of the stuff I did in the early days, now that I look back on it, I really wasn't adding value. But the thing I was adding value is I was the only person who even actually cared about this. Like mm -hmm. my co-founders had their day jobs. Yeah. So they were like, you know, if this takes off, that's great. But I didn't have a job. So I was really, really hungry. At first, I was transcribing a lot of the lyrics. Like uh, I remember when Watch the Throne came out. <sighs> I stayed up all night writing the lyrics or like, you know, the Carter four, all this stuff. But then I started to catch on. Like once we start to get a community, I was always very jealous of our community because I was like, what if Tom hires one of these people and he gets rid of me? Mm. Kind of what happened. Um, uh, so at first I'd be like, no, you're going to do it wrong. But then I started seeing like these teenage kids are putting up the lyrics better than I am. But I think like, that's the funny thing. I think like part of my success as a community manager was that I was using reverse psychology. Like people would want to join our community. I'd be like, no, don't do it. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And that made them even hungrier. That made them want to prove me wrong. Whereas a lot of community managers, 
Like they, first of all, most of the time a community manager is not a founder of a company. It's someone that they gra just graduated from college who they hired paying minimum wage. Mm -hmm. and the community manager doesn't even use the thing that they're trying to build the community for. But then everyone who wants to join, they're like, yeah, join us, sign up. So it's that early high psychology was like, I think what, what made genius successful. That's really interesting. And I can relate to that in many ways. You know, I, I built a, a company and a sales organization and, you know, you put so much energy and time and because you truly love it, eventually it's becomes a collective thought. It's not just your vision and your you know, love of, of, um, of what we're building. So it, it's really cool to see though, it come to life for you and, and what you guys created. It's, I was a user and been a user of, of the site for my pretty much, I feel like most of my life. And I've been, I'm like you so passionate about, about hip hop. What, what kind of got you into that world of, of love of music? I've always been really into rap. I was actually, you know, I, I put up that top 50 list. I had this one friend in high school who put me on to rap. Before that, I was listening to alternative music. Mm -hmm. But the rap he put me on to was more like the indie rappers, the underground rappers. That was kind of like the bridge between mainstream hip hop and alternative music. It was like groups like Dilated Peoples, Jurassic Five. And I love that that music but then uh then i got another friend who put me on to biggie and tupac mm. and i was like wait this is way better than like jurassic five or whatever so that's something that we, we spoke about before and it was some controversy when when you sp spoke about the top rappers of all time on your list and you're known on the internet to say things maybe against the grain or whatnot but you're proud of it that's who your number one is, is the West Coast, Tupac, correct? Yes, Pac. People got very angry at my life. They got angry because I put a lot of people who are more singers than rappers. But mm. it's a hard line to cross. Like these days, a lot of people will tell you Lil Baby's the best rapper out. But he's not really a rapper. Like if you really want to break it down, Lil Baby's a singer too. And you've yeah. got like Drake, Travis Scott, Kid Cudi. So I decided to put all of these people on my list because these singing rappers, they've basically taken over rap. And you know, shouts out to Bone Thugs and Harmony. Like people don't recognize the first singing rappers were Bone Thugs. Mm. And they're my boys, like Crazy, Crazy Bone. Uh, he had me on his podcast right whenever Pedia launched. And I, I helped him uh, last year to buy crypto. Wow. And we're going to talk about that later in the episode because I'm so intrigued of your other ventures. I guess, uh, have you been around those artists and whatnot of the, who you just mentioned? Did you get a chance to meet these people along the journey? I did, yeah. I'm very honored that I got to hang out with some of my heroes, uh, Building Genius, and then even now. Wow. You know, a lot of rappers these days are into crypto. Like rap and crypto are meeting, which is what needed to happen for crypto to blow up. But uh, the coolest thing is that Genius got a lot of uh, rapper investors. We had Nas as our basically our first investor, like th third investor. Um, and then Pharrell was an angel investor and then Eminem invested. Oh my God. Those are some big names I think you just yeah. mentioned. Yeah. Also, Eminem is very passionate. Uh, the mm -hmm. man his manager told me that 
Uh, it's the only thing he's ever used on the internet. Like Eminem has never used email. He's never used Twitter, but he used to go on Genius before he invested just to see what his fans are saying about his lyrics. Wow. And, and he has one of the most detailed lyrics of all time. So, you know, a lot of code and messages are within those lines. So no one's been more passionate about the verified account either. He went through because even Nas, like Nas was one of our earliest investors, but Nas has never annotated his classics because, you know, Nas, Nas is not really into the Internet, but uh, he annotates all of his new new music. But Eminem went through, he dug through the crates. He basically went, like Eminem has one of the highest IQ scores on the site. Those are the points you get for annotating stuff. So It actually made me think about this because our producer for the show, it, he actually told me that you freestyle. And I know Eminem, he told me that I should bring up possibly if you wanted to see what you got still, if you have it in the tank. Of course, I'm always down. I, I uh, the last podcast I did, I did a freestyle trying to convince Kanye to become the genius CEO, and everyone told me I flopped. So, oh wow, let's make sure we get that soundbite so he hears it again. <laughs> Hopefully, this time I can uh, I can fix the damage, repair the damage. Well, do you, do you need an instrumental or are you acapella type dude? instrumental is better yeah all right let's let's call the producer in for this one some west coast shit you hear that producer oh nice show you gonna be a thug good call kanye west use the sample for god's love yo Genius need Kanye as the CEO. What's the dealio? He can turn it into YC for rappers. Give every rapper a straight contact. Get rid of the music industry. It's so whack. They try to give you the 360 deal. It's not what I feel. It's not what the deal should be. We got to make it like YC. Give everyone a fair shake to, to grow into fame and build their hip hop chemistry. Mm. It's like a chemistry lesson when I be spitting. Yeah, I built genius, but now I'm moving on to the ozone layer, trying to get your data get paid for. Yeah, I'm teaching lessons. Mad respect to Kanye West. He's the one who I'm messing with. I love his business intellect. I want him to take over the industry, which I respect, which is hip hop. Genius is the best community. We never stop. Getting artists verified, take them to the top. Yeah, and we to don't stop. Top, to the 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 top. <laughs> Good shit. Woo. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. The bone. Kanye, wow. if you're hearing this, listen to me, please. We need you. Wow. Kanye, that's some big words. Uh, this could be the viral interview. I was looking for just that one, and I think I got it right there. Boom. You know, on that note, if you want Kanye so bad, why was he lower on the list? Ah, uh, yeah, people got me. I never, well, first of all, I put him in my top 50 list. That's pretty, pretty good. Fair I enough. never really thought of Kanye as a rapper. I thought mm -hmm. of Kanye as just like a spoken word artist. Like a lot of his raps, I'm not really feeling. I love his production, obviously, but then 
Also, what I love about him is that he's a character and he's a religious man. He's really into what's fair. And also he's very, very connected with genius. Uh, he actually uh, redesigned our app. Mm. Uh, we didn't even pay him. He did it for free. He called it, he said, I want to dondify, I want to dondify genius. And um, it's funny, he never invested. We tried really hard to get him to invest, but he's never really invested in any tech companies. But he became best friends with our main investor, Ben Horowitz. Mm. So he's always been showing love uh, to genius. Funny thing though, he never got a verified account either. Because like Kanye, does, Kanye doesn't even want to be known as a rapper. He wants to be known as an artist. So we told him to get verified. He was basically like, I don't want to do what all the other rappers do. I would rather redesign the app for you. That's beautiful. I, I've always been inspired by Kanye West. And, and I've known him since my childhood and since graduation and late registration or all those different things he's dropped. But those type of people definitely show what manifestation is and how to create your dreams in your mind and people think you're crazy but that's kind of like that steve jobs quote you know the ones crazy ones are the ones who change the world type quote and you know I, I feel like that's the type of person you are with how big you're trying to do it in life and i know how many years were, were you with genius and then when you wanted to move on uh, I stopped working there in 2014. So 2009 mm. to 2014. So five years, you learned a lot and you really elevated. Now you exited the company out of choice. Well, I didn't exit. Exit, exit would be if I get paid. I still haven't gotten paid much for all of my genius work. Mm. Basically, I just got the recognition, but then that's typical of startups. With startups, you really don't exit until someone buys it. Mm -hmm. So every day I'm just crossing my fingers that uh, Apple or Spotify or someone will buy us. And then hopefully they'll listen to me and put someone who knows about hip hop in charge. Like right now, I'm trying to get the CEO to resign. It's still the guy who built it, but he doesn't even care about hip hop. And like, it's a hip hop site. So like, why is someone who doesn't even know about hip hop running? running the biggest hip hop site. That's why I've been calling for Kanye. Also, Kanye did those tweets where he said he wants to build a Y Combinator for rappers. I hate the music industry. I think 360 deals are criminal. I think all this stuff that now they're like paying Lil Wayne and Bob Dylan for the masters to their uh, work is just kind of weird and twisted. Mm. So I would like there to just be more opaque it's kind of like how uh, startups were before Y Combinator. Uh, you'd have these VCs who were like vultures. The VCs were like the record industry, just trying to uh, steal, steal from the creatives. And then Y Combinator made it transparent and everything. So now I want Kanye to make genius into the Y Combinator for rappers. Wow. And that's very possible. And it's really interesting what you're saying, the point you're bringing up about the music business. I'm new to it. Uh, I own a music studio now and I see what the music industry is. And I understand the 360 deal. You want to say a quick 101 on that for people who, who are in the music business? It basically means you don't get any rights, but then you get a monthly salary. So 
it's kind of like if you get a corporate job as a young college graduate, like you can do a startup or you can do a cor corporate job. So 360, and they don't pay the artists very much because the music industry, basically it's, it's twisted. It's like, it's not something that a real music fan would think, but they think that none of these musicians are actually talented. They think that there's a lot of talented people, but what makes someone popular is the music industry pumping them. Mm. So like you've got someone like Billie Eilish, like Billie Eilish is talented, but the reason why you see Billie Eilish plastered all over the place is because she has a 360 deal. So she's not making any money for her music. The industry is making the money for her music. That's why they're trying so hard to make her like, you know, the next, uh, the next sensation. So how do you see this industry evolving then, the music business? Uh, crypto. Crypto, indie rappers, it, it used to be that there weren't many indie, indie rappers, but then they would say like, you know, I'm not that famous, but I still make more money than if I had a 360 deal. Like currency was a good example of an early indie rapper. But now you have SoundCloud rappers, people who just blow up on SoundCloud and then a lot of them get leverage to get a good record deal. Mm. But some of them choose not to get a record deal. Like I don't think Takashi 69 has a record deal. His music's not good, but he's, I'm sure he's making a lot of money. So SoundCloud rap brings out indie rap. And then if you can find a more systematic way for rappers to actually make the money without having the music industry involved. Um, like, you know, NFTs. Right now, everyone is like, these musicians can just be selling their songs as NFTs. Mm, that's going to be cool. What wasn't an NFT, but reminds me of it, was when Wu-Tang Clan sold their single copy of their album to Martin Shkreli for a million dollars. Explain that in detail real quick, the, what, what you're saying, what those are. I, mean, that, I, don't know, I don't know if uh, they finally ended up releasing the music, but at first no one had heard this. They made a whole album and they were like, we're just going to sell it to this one weird dude for a million dollars. So I think, but then I think he bought it and then he made it available for everyone to listen to. Mm. But that wasn't with anything crypto related. Like for example, he can resell it, but he can't resell it the way that you sell a Bitcoin. So with NFTs, the whole point is you buy it and then you can resell it. Mm. So like, you know, I've got the original autographed copy of Kanye West's new album. And like maybe Kanye makes it like for at least a month, only the person who bought it can hear it. And then someday they can resell that kind of like you do with trading cards. And who gets the royalties on that when they sell it? The person who bought it or the or everybody? Good question. Yeah, that I don't know. There's some NFT companies and I think they figured that out. They figured that even when you resell it, a certain percentage, a certain percentage goes to them. Like obviously they want to be the vultures, but then a certain percentage goes back to the original artists too that's fascinating well i want to talk to you now about your next venture so 2015 you said comes along and you're on to the next chapter of your business entrepreneurial career what was next for you and and did you have to have any go through any obstacles to get there uh well I wasn't going to start another company after Genius, especially they, they kept telling me when I resigned, they're like, you're going to be rich, you're going to be rich, which I mean, good thing I didn't listen to them because I still haven't gotten shit from Genius. It's been 
you know, all these years. Uh, but then I became, I became an entrepreneur in residence at Mucker Capital, which is a great VC. It's like the only legitimate competitor to Y Combinator. They're based in LA. Mm -hmm. And then I was at MuckerCon, which was their big festival. They actually had really, really good catering. And the guy who runs Mucker was like, you need to start another company. I'll fund you. Anything you want to do, I'll fund you. And I never thought I'd hear that. Like I thought that I had already become like a black sheep of tech. I never thought another investor would give me money. So as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, I'm going to find someone legit and come to Mucker to give me money. And then I gave a talk at UCLA and the CEO of Everpedia, uh, he was still a senior in college at that point, UCLA kid. Um, he showed me my Everpedia page. And this kind of a light bulb went off for me because I remembered when my Wikipedia page got deleted. Someone had made me a Wikipedia page, but it got deleted. Hmm. A lot of people don't even know this happens, but that happens to 95% of Wikipedia pages. Oh my God. And it's pretty random. Like they say that you have to be notable to have a Wikipedia page, but they don't really define what notable is. And it's been proven that they delete pages of women and minorities more wow so like wikipedia tries to be all woke but really they have like some very unwoke issues that they have to deal with that's deep so, stuff so that that led you to wanting to create the next venture with the capital nothing to do with crypto like so we had iq points on everpedia wikipedia doesn't even give you points mm -hmm. On Everpedia, just to show that it's kind of inspired by Genius, we decided to name our points IQ, the same as what Genius's points are called. Mm -hmm. But then we met Brock Pierce. Uh, he's you know one of the richest uh, Bitcoin investors and crypto investors, and it was his idea for us to make Everpedia into the cryptocurrency version of Wikipedia. Mm. And then we also had the founder of Wikipedia join join our team, Larry Sanger. Uh, so, and then, and Brock got us $30 million investment. So that's when we made Everpedia into the cryptocurrency Wikipedia, where you get cryptocurrency for writing the articles. And our crypto is called IQ token. And it's that's doing so very that, well. It's kind of blowing up right now. That's so fascinating. So when they get paid in the IQ token, is there any other coins that they can get paid with? No, only IQ, but then IQ, we made it very, very easy to swap into other things like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Pretty much you can convert it if you want. That's a big part of crypto, which Everpedia is uh, spearheading. So let's dig in a little bit more about the cryptocurrency world. So you really have been studying this land for the past years. I was into crypto before I even started Everpedia. I started investing in crypto in 2013. Okay. <laughs> we had Balaji. Balaji is like one of the crypto legends. At that point, he wasn't famous yet. He had just become a partner at Andreessen. And he came to the genius office because he wanted me to ask Nas to make a diss song about Gawker. Like, weird as this sounds. He was like, yeah, I heard Nas is your investor. Tell him to make a diss song about Gawker. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't, I don't, I'll ask him if you want, but why would he do that? And he was like, well, if you can get him to do it, then Peter Thiel will invest in Genius. And I was like, oh shit. 
because <laughs> if you remember, Peter Thiel had beef with Gawker. Mm -hmm. That's actually why Gawker stopped existing. It's because Peter Thiel paid Hulk Hogan to sue them. And they had to declare bankruptcy. That's deep. Wow, I didn't know that at all. It was pretty random. But then during that conversation, Balaji also told me to buy Bitcoin. And for some reason, I was just like, this guy sounds like a genius. And I asked Ben Horowitz about him. <coughs> ben Horowitz was like, yeah, Balaji's the next Einstein. So I started investing in Bitcoin. Everyone thought I'm weird. I tried to get my genius co-founders to invest in Bitcoin. They bought some, but they always just thought it was kind of dumb. They never got into it. And what it was, was the rate big. of what was the rate of Bitcoin at that time? So when I first started investing in Bitcoin, it had hit its all-time high. It got to $1000 and then it crashed from $1000 back to 150. Mhm. Mm so I'm like, oh, I lost all my money. Why did I do that? Tom was right. Tom told me this is stupid. He was right. But then it started going back up again. And then once it was at around 300, I was like, oh, shit, it's going to go back up. So I started buying some more. So you've been able to hold on to that and, and create a lot of wealth in cryptocurrency through that type of knowledge early on. Yeah. Also, I was working on Everpedia when Ethereum came out. Mm -hmm. And when Ethereum first came out, I was a Bitcoin maximalist. I was like, you know, Ben Horowitz told me there's only going to be Bitcoin. Andreessen told me there's only going to be Bitcoin. So Ethereum is BS. But then, uh, oh, also I had Angel invested in Coinbase. I met Coinbase at Y Combinator. So I became an Angel investor in Coinbase. Then I saw that Coinbase added Ethereum. So I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I called the CEO of Brian Armstrong, uh, uh, the CEO of Coinbase, Brian Armstrong. I was like, yo, is, do you think Ethereum is legit? And he was like, yes, it's legit. So I actually had uh, my Everpedia co-founder uh, trade half of my Bitcoin for Ethereum. <sighs> I didn't have to pay any taxes because I was still down on my Ethereum investment too. Wow. I, mean, I was like almost at break even, but that could be one of the best chess moves of your life, too. It was, yeah. Well, I mean, Bitcoin went up a lot since then, too. Of course, my Ethereum has gone up pretty much double the amount that my Bitcoin has gone. <sighs> That's so cool. And so, Everpedia is running now currently, and that was 2015. Now we're in 2021. When did Ozone AI come into the picture? So I left Everpedia in 2019 because uh, we started talking to Twitter and we thought Twitter might buy us. So uh, they, they, thought, they thought that if I'm not there, like, you know, since I'm a black sheep of tech, it would be easier for Twitter to come and buy us. So I resigned. And again, like at that point, like crypto was blowing up. This was during the uh, late seven, late 2017, early 2018 high. So I was blowing up. So I agreed, I agreed to leave. It took a while, but eventually I left. Uh, also, I got, uh, I, I had to have brain surgery again. So that was kind oh, of. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, when did you have brain surgery the first time? 
the first time was in my last days of genius. That's basically why I leave my companies. I had brain surgery and I left genius. Then I had brain surgery and I left Everpedia. And it's because when you have brain surgery, it kind of makes you act crazy, you know? Not I, I, to do. I can't imagine. Wow. That's, I mean, it shows the strength though, that you're able to bounce back, even though you had, th those were the close of chapters for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, it's not that bad, but it's, it's hard. But uh, then I met uh, Lyndon, who's the CEO of uh, Ozone, mm -hmm. and he used to work at Facebook. He was an executive at Facebook. So he kind of thought the reason he left is because he was like, we're ripping everyone off. Why does, why does Facebook keep all of this money? So he wanted to build something to like share the wealth, share Google and Facebook's wealth with the users. That's like a very crypto sounding type thing, but he didn't want to do it with crypto. He basically wanted to do it so that you can share your data, sell your data and get uh, money from PayPal. So I was like, Lyndon, we need this to be uh, crypto based. We need to make it so that you can at least cash out in Bitcoin. And we still haven't built it. Right now, you know, I, he, he let me join the family because he, he was inspired by the work I'd done with uh, Genius and Everpedia. And now we're going to build it so that you can cash out in Bitcoin. And it's kind of like the two flip sides of what I think crypto is all about. One is Everpedia and one is Ozo. Like Everpedia is all about uh, giving you crypto to create content. Ozone is all about giving you crypto to consume content, basically crypto for your data. So I was reading on the site, like, for example, that if you take surveys, then you would get paid in the cryptocurrency. Is that correct? And that's the plan. Yeah, eventually. Sur like, we're just trying to come up with more and more things you could do as a consumer, internet consumer, to earn crypto. So we want to make uh, coupons. Like if you buy buy stuff from our links, you get cash back in crypto. We have a game show now. So you just play the games. And if you get right answers, you get crypto. That was oh, kind of cool. inspired by HQ Trivia. Uh, what else are we doing? We have the surveys. We have a, a browser plugin so that we get your data when you're surfing the internet, but you get crypto for it, kind of like what Brave, Brave Browser does. I'm curious about, I've been hearing things such as a company called Nexo, where you could store cryptocurrency in a bank account, and they give you a very high interest rate. Is that something that's intriguing to you guys too? That's not really what Ozone wants to do, but DeFi, uh, DeFi is really, really hot. Like a lot of these tokens that are blowing up right now are DeFi tokens. Uh, the reason I never got into any of them is because I thought Coinbase can just do this. Like if you just want to get a percentage back on your crypto, why wouldn't Coinbase just do it? Mm -hmm. So I never got into like, someone told me to get into uh, compound finance. Uh, I never did. I was like, this is too complicated. I'm scared I'm going to lose my tokens. And then now uh, Coinbase has a waiting list.
for Coinbase DeFi. They're going to give seven and a half percent back on Ethereum. Oh wow! That's so I'm on the waiting list. I'm excited. Yeah, for me that's going to be a huge game changer. Mabod, I'm so curious because I would love to be this one day. But you know, you say you're an angel investor. What what is that exactly? And like, tell me a little bit about that type of investing you do. It's a stupid thing. It's a stupid part of the law which I wish didn't exist. And hopefully, crypto is going to put an end to it. Mm-hmm. Like ICOs were kind of like a crowdfunding thing, and then mm-hmm. also now there's Regulation C crowdfunding, where certain startups let anyone invest. Mm-hmm. But normally, to invest in uh, startups, you have to be what's called an accredited investor. Okay. Really, all that means is you have a million dollars. You basically have to check a box on the investment contract saying like i solemnly swear that i have a million dollars i don't think they really check like it's all got all kinds of holes in it but it basically creates a disincentive for most people to invest in startups so you Ah, startups you know that's the way that you can like 100x thousand extra money that's why people are so excited about crypto crypto kind of like lets people be an angel investor without being an accredited investor. Yeah. So you mentioned some of your investing, such as Coinbase. So what does that look like? You invest into the company and now you're considered a silent owner? Yeah, you can't sell any of it. Although there there are secondary markets, but the secondary markets are kind of tricky. Like sometimes when you're an angel investor, you have to part of your contract says you're not allowed to use secondary markets. Mm-hmm. Then you can still sell shares as derivatives. Like you don't sell the actual stock. Mm. You sell someone a promissory note that when you get the actual stock, you'll give it to them for a fixed price. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really not an expert. Like I, I'm, I'm always trying to sell my genius shares just because I'm salty that I still haven't gotten shit from Genius. So but that's a private company. Hmm? So Genius is still a private entity. Yes, yes. Every day I'm waking up just like hoping I'm going to read in the newspaper that Apple bought Genius, but still no luck. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll put a little luck into it. Maybe uh, this is the year, the primetime year where things start to start to come your way on that. Well, these days, you know, with my crypto up so much, I don't care that the main reason I would want to sell secondary shares in Genius is just to get something out of it because I feel like they punked me. Like, the fact that they're still running the company, they're not even running it the way that I want them to run it. And it's like, it's, it's been so long. Yeah, it's kind of like detaching from the outcome, but you know, manifesting, like you said, for example, Kanye taking over one day and things kind of just re-energizing to the way that you saw it. But you know, like you said, you got to put the love into what you're doing and, and, it, and hopefully things do turn in that direction. It's been almost a year since I wrote an article saying that the leaders of Genius have to resign. Okay. And it was kind of during the George Floyd stuff. I was like, why is this dude who has no connection with black culture, no connection with hip hop culture, why is he running the biggest hip hop culture website in the world? And then my article went viral and the president of Genius resigned. Because also his his wife uh, his wife had just resigned from her company, The Wing, because mm. the employees were saying she's racist. Mm. 
so Elon resigned, but then Tom is still the CEO. Mm -hmm. So now I just wrote another article. I'm like, no, bro, you need to go too. Like, you don't know shit about rap. At least Elon knew a little bit about rap. Tom is the one who knows nothing about rap. But then, then again, he's the one who built the site. He's the one who knows how to code. But yeah. also at this point, Genius is not really like a high-tech coding thing anymore. Like we tried to do Genius Live, which is the live concert thing. But that has a lot of competition. Like StubHub has their own live. Fortnite has their own live. And then also now it looks like maybe coronavirus is going to wind down. So concerts might just come back. It's and I true. tried to get Tom to do crypto stuff. If Genius had been the first crypto site, we could have raised $100 million mm. to anti-crypto because he's like, he's a boomer. You know, he used to be a Wall Street guy. All these Wall Street guys are, mm. are boomers when it comes to crypto. It is. It is. Because when you're not comfortable with it, it's definitely, you think it's a bigger risk than, than the upside towards it. But you know, I, I was even watching virtual concert this year. So you're right, you know, doing the live, I saw Pitbulls live and, you know, it's, it's coming, but the virtual reality at the same time, the live, there's nothing better than that energy and the presence of a performance. So the main thing genius is these days is a TV show. And for that, you don't need the coding nerd CEO. You need a cool CEO like Kanye or like the you know I I wrote the article I wrote suggested five people. Basically, we need someone who's like imbued in hip hop culture. We have Steve Stout on our board. I'd rather have Steve Stout just become the G CEO of Genius rather what than about Tom. what about Steve LaBelle? I got to meet him and he's a fascinating dude. Who's he? He was the manager of Nipsey, Nipsey Hustle and he manages Scott Storch. He he's uh, you know been an OG in the game, but he hustles like he's you know still just starting out. Yeah, I've never met him, but I met I met Nipsey and Nipsey R.I.P. He showed a lot lot of love to Genius. So anyone connected with Nip, I would be down. But then the people on my list were people who already had very very close connections with Genius. Like the reason why Kanye is my number one choice is because he redesigned our app. Mm. Also, we've got Rob Markman. Rob Markman is the one who came up with the verified interviews and everything. He was basically my replacement at Genius. But then the difference is like, I didn't know any rappers. He knows every rapper. He's friends with every rapper. So he's the one who made it cool for every rapper to come on. And then also after I left, we had this like baller music industry guy uh, come on as an investor. Well, so I think he connected us a lot too. Fair enough. Well, I guess out of all your connections, I'd be the most interested in meeting Drake one day. So we'll throw that into the universe. I that's the that, Drake for me is the white whale. I've tried so hard to meet Drake. I don't know who manages Drake now, but back when I was a genius, he had the same manager as Lil Wayne, Cortez Bryant. Mm. And Cortez is young. He's younger than I am. But he was basically like, I won't do shit unless you pay me. Like, so uh, it, when Instagram started, Instagram wanted Drake to have an account. And Cortez told them, he's like, no, I'm going to tell Drake not to use it until you pay me. And then Drake went behind Cortez's back. He's like, Instagram became so cool. He's like, sorry, you can't stop me. I have to use this. So he went and started his champagne poppy. That's a cool, that's yeah, a cool that's, story. I never knew that. 
That's the reason why Drake and Lil Wayne, neither of them are verified on Genius. Because back in the day, uh, their manager asked for money. Wow. Thanks for telling me that, Mabode. And, and we'll definitely, we'll both meet him in the future for, for all that, calling him the white whale and all that. We were like, bro, we've got Nas and Pharrell in <laughs> giving us money, becoming investors. We're not going to give you money. And now, so Jay-Z was another one. When we told Jay-Z to invest in Genius, he was basically like, you got to give me 50%. And we're like, that's not how tech stuff works. So now finally this year, uh, Jay-Z invested in a tech company. I forgot what it was for, but it seemed like he just went on and invested like a normal investor. So Jay-Z finally has figured out how it works. Mm. Still waiting on Lil Wayne and Drake. Drake also, Drake invested in a fantasy sports company. So I think Drake is kind of starting to figure it out too. But Nas, man, like when Nas invested in us, he, he was not doing well financially. He had just gotten divorced from Kellis. And I know that like he was downsizing homes because of the divorce and stuff. And then he invested in Genius. Through Genius, he became best friends with Ben Horowitz. And then Ben Horowitz had him invest in everything that he was investing in, including Coinbase. Nas was an angel investor in Coinbase. And I remember back then I told him, I was like, listen, you need to tell your fans to use Coinbase to buy Bitcoin. And he was like, not interested at all. I think he's still not interested. Like he never tells people that he's an angel investor in Coinbase because I think Nas doesn't really get what Bitcoin is. But then based on my estimates, I think he's going to make like $300 million from his investment in Coinbase way more than he's made in music like music he's probably made a hundred million dollars career it really goes to show and, and and i said this quote a lot is business is a grown person's sport so once you have your career that's great but and like i'm, I'm sorry for example if it's a profession such as a sport or an art and music that's great. But then when you get into the other business, it's a whole other sport and you can still play it a whole different way and amount to that wealth without being an artist. It also shows you, you make more money from investing than you do from building. Mm. That's kind of depressing, but it's the truth of capitalism. Like for example, I'm going to make more from my investment in Coinbase than I've made from building genius. Maybe someday I'll make more from Genius if someone buys it. But to this day, it's crazy. It's crazy. I didn't even, even invest that much. That's such a great quote you said because I was someone who put over six years into building one entity. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, certain investments actually might give me more wealth. And it was complete less time because it was an investment of just fi a financial investment. So that's kind of weird, but that's that's capitalism. But then the, the, the good news is the founders, uh, they're they're paying themselves a salary with the investment money. Like when you make a lot of money as an investor, you're still not getting it paid to you as a salary. Right. And psychologically, that makes a big difference. Like that's that's the funny thing about me. Like um, I've done really well with my investments. But then Ozone is a startup. Like at Ozone, I'm still making minimum wage. Mm -hmm. So I still feel poor. Like, you know, I've, I've got all this crypto and stuff, but that's just my savings account. Like the money that I month to month am getting in my 
checking account is still not that much. And it's going to be a lot more once you, once you, uh, you know, go full throttle with all your plans, but you're so right. And that's what people and entrepreneurs need to realize is that when you're building the, most of the ownership is not going to take the big check. If anything, it's just the employees and the commissions you're given. Also a lesson that it teaches, I know it's corny to say this, but I swear it's the truth. Money is just not a big deal. Nothing it buys is good. Like the two luxuries I have right now, uh, because I'm rich. One is I have a car in New York City, and the other one is I got a bed. I always used to just sleep on a mattress. And I was saying the other day, I was like, I kind of wish I didn't have the car and I didn't have the bed because I miss just like flopping into my mattress and I miss running everywhere. Like every time I drive my car, I feel like this could have been a run. Like I could have, I could have burned some calories instead I'm burning gas. That's funny you say that because it leads me to actually get a little bit more personal as we get towards understanding people like you. And, you know, you're like that cliche entrepreneur. You actually went to an Ivy League school then went to law school. How do you create that balance of like life versus all the money and business you were you were striving towards? Um. So I remember when we graduated college, uh, I had some friends who became investment bankers. And one of them took us out to dinner and he gave us like a talk about like, see, uh, even though all of you did, got better grades than I did in college, now I'm better than all of you because I'm making more money. And at the time, it kind of hurt my feelings. Like, this is when I was in law school. I was like, wow, I wish I was working at Goldman Sachs. But now, I mean, he's, he's still richer than I am. Even, even if we sell genius, even if, you know, crypto blows up, he's probably always going to be richer than I am because he's a partner at Goldman Sachs. But I wouldn't trade lives with him because he's just, no one even gives a shit if you're a partner at Goldman Sachs. Everyone just thinks of him as like uh, uh, a, um, parasite that's how people think of investment bankers so genius like i haven't gotten any money from genius i've gotten more money from my crypto investments but i'm still my, my proudest accomplishment is still genius because that's what people are into and they like it and i like it too i'm passionate about it too so it's way cooler to do something like that than to just make a lot of money that's why i think it's cooler to do startups than a corporate job because startups you might even though you might not make as not much money you're you're actually pretty much guaranteed not to make as much money because even if your startup is successful you're not going to make as much money as being successful in a corporate job mm -hmm. but a corporate job you're just a sheep you're not actually doing anything that anyone cares about. Like if, if my college roommate weren't a partner at Goldman Sachs, someone else would be partner and they would do the same exact thing he's doing. But I started genius. I didn't make as much money from it, but like all these teenagers, uh, they, they like DM me. They're like, yo, I love genius. Thank you so much. So that means a lot more to me than money. Like all you can do with the money is buy beds and cars. And I don't even want a better car. So that's powerful. And it shows like your character in that, you know, how you really do want to one, make impact. And, and two, it shows you believe in doing what you love. 
and not getting sucked into that capitalistic mentality of just money rules the world because you'll find out at some point in life fulfillment is rich inside and i was someone who had to go through that type of mentality so i appreciate you saying that and it, it are you how old are you now 38 38 so you have a lot of wisdom at this point because you've seen 38 years yes and, i'm and probably the oldest person in tech at this point so where do you see tech going seeing it so, so that many years uh the big thing i'm waiting for is social media to decentralize and like uh zuck is doing some stuff yeah everyone hates zuck but then i even though like back in the day i had beef with him i actually respect him a lot so um you know zuck was going to do libra but then they shut him down at congress now he's kind of trying it again then you got jack dorsey who you know i can't stand that guy and i've got a lot of problems with twitter but for the crypto side of things he's doing good it seems like now he's He's letting people sell their tweets as NFTs. That's really cool. Like Mark Zuckerberg needs to catch up. I would love if I could sell my Facebook posts. And one, one suggestion, I, I was kind of joking. I did a post about it, uh, but I was, I was kind of joking, but kind of serious, was if people pay for it, they can tell you to delete it. So I told people, like, I'm like, listen, if I post anything on social media that offends you, send me $10 of Bitcoin and I'll delete it. <laughs> that's beautiful man it's like reverse that's psychology I, I just want to see decentralization not just the selling nfts but doing whatever pedia and ozone do uh you pay people facebook tokens for their data you pay people facebook tokens for posting uh status that gets a lot of likes uh the more tokens you have uh, the more your votes are valuable in giving other people tokens, uh, doing staking so it can't be spammed. Like you have to put stake a little bit of Facebook tokens first before you get more back. Mm. So that way, if it's like spam posts and stuff, you get shut down. And all of these are ba basically, I want Facebook to become Everpediaified and Ozonified. And if all, all Zuck has to do, if he just buys Everpedia and Ozone, we'll do all the work for him. So I was just going to say, I hope Mark Zuckerberg hears this interview because... Zuck, if you're listening to this, I love you, man. I've got a, I've got a lot of Facebook stock, stock. You inspired me to get into tech. Please buy my shit. We will serve Amen. You. Amen. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm in on this somehow because I, I believe in what, what you're saying, Mabod. And, you know... What do you think about the AI industry? Because I'd love to ask you about that too. I've never really gotten into it. Like what, what aspects like, like Facebook using it or. I'm just curious about like what it's going to look like in our future. Like your opinion of, of that word. I, I'm not very knowledgeable, but just in general, like look at what people were saying about the future a hundred years ago like HG Wells and stuff. Mm -hmm. Everyone thought there were going to be flying cars. Hardware, like everyone's just obsessed with hardware. Even with invest, like in, in Y Combinator, in Y Combinator, every year there's one company that's like, 
hey, we've got a robot that makes ice cream sundaes. And everyone's like, oh, I want the ice cream sundae robot. But those are never the ones that blow up. Mm. The ones that blow up are always software. Like no one thought Facebook was going to be big. Or I remember uh, when I was in high school, uh, that's when like Google, America Online, those were hot. And my older brother would always tell me, these don't even have any assets. It's just a computer thing. And people don't understand that. No, when you're building software, the code is the asset. Mm-hmm. Like people who are coders, they talk about it. They, they call it architecture. They think of it as they're building the same thing as a building. Mm-hmm. That's why they call themselves engineers. Like when mm-hmm. you look at the word engineer, it, it might seem weird. It's like, okay, one, one kind of engineer is building cars and buildings. The other engineer is just sitting at a computer all day. But no, they consider it that they're building a virtual world. You hit the nail on the head right there, Mabod, because it's so true. That's what coding is. And and that's intellectual property, correct? That they're building? And then you can get that patented? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, if the... Sometimes you, you can code. I mean, there's different things that the ownership, like some of it is open source, mm-hmm. but other stuff is proprietary. You can't even reverse engineer it. They're trying to reverse engineer the stuff that Mark Zuckerberg builds and they can't do it. And then Bitcoin is the mother of all of those. Bitcoin's not hardware, but then it's like the nickname for it is digital gold. This guy straight up tried to build the virtual version of gold and he succeeded, it seems like. And that's the last couple of questions I have for you. Then I want to play a quick game. But where do you see Bitcoin going? The moon, the two, the two prices of Bitcoin. So there's three prices for Bitcoin. One is $0. It seems like that's not going to happen. This mm-hmm. point already passed the point of no return. One is $1 million. That's if, that's if it replaces gold. For it to have uh, gold's market cap, it would be around a million dollars. The other one you can't really say in dollars because it would involve Bitcoin replacing dollars as the international currency. But basically each Bitcoin would be the equivalent of $100 million today. Like a sandwich would cost you seven Satoshis. Wow. And that's why, so the, the smallest fraction is one 100 millionth. That's the Satoshi. So I think Satoshi even thought, Satoshi, the, the guy who built it, he's like, all right, the smallest unit if we take over gold is going to be a penny. The, small, the smallest unit if we replace the dollar is going to be like a dollar is today. And all that needs to happen for, for it to replace the dollar is that we need to start paying for, bit, for oil in Bitcoin. I think you said, you said it. You said and think it. about how crazy it is that we pay for oil in dollars. Like that's the that is the biggest trick that Americans ever pulled is they somehow convince the countries with oil to take dollars for their commodity. And then mm. now, whatever, like last year, we we printed twenty five percent more dollars. So everyone who gets dollars for their oil got taxed like a mofo. And none of that's going to them. It's going for us to give stimulus and to boost our American stocks and stuff. So when are the oil producing countries going to figure out that this is the biggest hustle in human history, that they charge dollars? 
They got to charge something. So eventually they're going to charge Bitcoin. And that's going to be the biggest change in economic history. I was having that conversation and they were explaining to me that a lot of the world's wealth are run by certain families and a lot of it is controlling the oil and gasoline. So you make a crazy great point and I'm curious to see where the future goes. So let's do a quick lighthearted game and just came to my mind, wanted to give a quick true or false people get to know you lightheartedness. And then I have one last question for you. And this has been an amazing conversation. So Mabode, true or false, you're Iranian and Jewish. Uh, True-ish. I'm not, I wasn't born in Iran. I just, I, I got into a big uh, edit war on my Wikipedia because it said that I'm an Iranian American entrepreneur and I finally got them to change it to American. It's like, I've never been to Iran in my life. But yeah, I speak Persian. So, yes. Fair enough. I like that answer. Well, I guess on that note. Although I'm all religions. Like, I was born Jewish, but I have mad respect for, like, Islam, Christianity, everything, Hinduism. That's exactly what I would say, too. I have mad respect for all religions, people who are trying to find peace within themselves and just live a fulfilled life. So I appreciate you saying that. It's my boat. True or false, you speak more than three languages. Uh, again, I got to say true-ish because I have a smattering of more than three, but I basically speak three of them well. Which ones are those? I speak two of them well. Well, so my English is good. Persian, I grew up speaking and then I studied in college too. And then French is like my pet language because I lived in France for a year after college. But then I know a little bit of Hebrew. I studied Arabic in college. I studied Italian in college. I studied Spanish in high school. I'm a big fan of German just because, you know, I like classical music is my life. So a lot of respect for German culture. I love it. All right. We'll change this one up real quick. Let's say we saw the list, but on the show, you're a hip hop guy just like me. I love the music. I love the arts. Give us your top five list real quick. Oof, this is what got me into trouble. Well, Tupac, number one by far, no question. Biggie, number two. Nas, number three. He gave me money. Jay-Z, number four. He didn't give me money. And number five, I would say Gucci Mane. That's kind of the one that a lot of people would scratch. <laughs> I love Gucci Mane. Like he, for me, he defines Southern rap and... I've had great experiences meeting a lot of rappers, but I'll never forget the time I got to meet Gucci Mane. He was just like super friendly. He explained all the lyrics that I was curious about. He even gave me his phone number. I was like texting Gucci for a while. Like, you're the best. Gucci. Yeah, he he definitely. I remember we be setting mobbing with Wayne and, and all those great songs. I, w- I was definitely head bobbing to it. That's awesome. Abode. And uh, the last thing I'll ask you for the entrepreneurs who are going to listen to this show is what's some advice for an entrepreneur who wants to create the life that you're building for yourself and want to reach their goals and dreams? You got to code in, in entrepreneurship. I don't code, but uh, 
the guys I started Genius and uh, Everpedia with, uh, they were the guys who built the app. And there's some interesting statistics on this. Like, so basically there's two kinds of startup people. There's engineers and there's MBA people. And the MBA people are actually more successful at raising money just because they're better at going and like having cocktails and schmoozing the investor. But then all of their companies fail. Whereas the technical people, if, if they are able to get out of their uh, office chair and get some money, they usually succeed. Mm. And with Ozone, Lyndon is semi-technical, but Lyndon is the first uh, CEO who I'm working with who he's not doing the, the, co the coding. But then the technical co-founder is actually my boy, and he joined Ozone because uh, I got him to do it, uh, Joe, Joe Combs. Shout out to Joe Combs. He started the company he started before Ozone is called Earfleek, which mm. is like, it's like Dollar Shave Club for earrings. It's pretty dope. And then the reason why it blew up is because he used the word fleek. Like, you know, I don't know if you remember, like, on fleek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he told me, he's like, yeah, my company's Earfleek. And I'm like, let me invest. I'm like, this is awesome. But then now he's still doing Earfleek as a side thing, but he's so passionate about Ozone that he joined us full time. And then he's crushing it. Shouts out to Joe. Joe and Lyndon, those guys are like my heroes. That's great. That's great, Mabod. And, you know, it's definitely it's inspiring to hear your story. And I know that you, you've you had to overcome some things where you said, I think you will manifest where you want genius to go. And it's incredible that you did create something for this world that's so used, you know, by so many people. It's really fascinating. And I know you're going to go and do amazing things. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the next year brings you and I'm, I'm excited to build a new relationship with you. Yeah, the, the funny thing is I consider Genius a failure because when we started it, we wanted to build everything Genius. We wanted people annotating poetry. We wanted people annotating the Bible. Giant failure. All we do is rap. But what makes me happy is when the teenagers tell me that they love it and they use it. So it actually, I want to ask that question because you are wearing a shirt and I am aware that it says poetry genius. Exactly. I love poetry. What, 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 do you, what do you mean by that shirt? This was so originally we, I wanted them to be separate websites. But again, Tom didn't agree with me. Tom said that they have to all be on the same site uh, because it has to all be on the same app. I still think he's wrong. I think we should have done it as separate websites. Mm. That's why. So we bought the domain genius.com, which was really, really freaking expensive. Uh, and then eventually all this stuff just faded away. Poetry never took off. Bible never took off. News, we got into big trouble. News, news genius is what got me into the big trouble that I had to even resign. Mm. And then we ended up just scrapping all of it. We went, we doubled back down on rap. And it's like, okay, if we doubled back down on rap then let someone who's an expert on rap become the CEO. Not like the kid who's still listening to like the postal service and uh, like you know, you, 90s, 90s alternative rock. Do you have any regrets of when you did say what you had to do to step down on the news part? Oof. 
on the one hand, yes. On the other hand, no. Like, I'm happy about everything. Like, obviously, I'm very traumatized from leaving both my companies, especially since I don't talk to my co-founders. It's kind of like a bad, bad divorce. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I'm like, if you, if you really want to get like deep philosophical, if you're happy in life, then you should have no regrets mm. because everything led to where you are right now. Like if I hadn't left genius, I wouldn't have started Everpedia. I wouldn't be happy with that. If I hadn't left Everpedia, I wouldn't have started Ozo. So I believe in predestination. I actually think that we're all just in a stimulate simulation. Everything has already been pre-planned. We're just like, living the storybook of our lives and i'm very very grateful for the storybook of my life i also think it's cool that i got all these health problems like the brain tumors and brain surgery but i i lived i survived and i had these really good doctors operate on me so That's i'm having a great time thank you lord yeah it's beautiful what you said Mabo, uh, because it reminded me of that quote you know everything in life doesn't happen to you it happens for you and you're a testament to that. And every entrepreneur should go and follow Mabode. Where can we find you on social media? Please follow me. Instagram is my uh, hail Zuck. You know, I'm still just using Facebook and Instagram. So Instagram is the best place to message me. I'm always checking my DMs on there. Awesome. It's Mabodepedia, correct? Yes. Awesome. Shout, shout out to Everpedia. I wanted to change it to Mabozone. <laughs> they, they, they don't let me change my name i think because i i have like a verified account they don't let me change my name fair enough well it really was a pleasure i learned so much from you mabode and i'm looking forward to following you now i'm considering you a friend already and uh this is uh amazing so thanks for everything and make sure to subscribe like share if you really enjoyed this interview i'm enjoying this so much and i hope it taught you something signing out danny perdick millionaire voices